I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 30, A Faithful, a Just, and a Wise Servant, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 51 through 57. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. I believe that this is episode 30. I have done 30 of these. That means I have been doing this for 30 weeks. How incredible is that? Um, that's, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So we're going to talk about these verses, and we're pretty much going to talk about two things today. Um, the first thing is God re- rewards the righteous. Um, we see this in Darkner and Covenants, sections 51, verses 19 and 20, in section 52, 4 and 5, 13 and 19, section 53, verse 7, um, basically all throughout the Book of Mormon, all throughout the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, over and over and over again, we see this theme of God re- rewards the righteous. I'm going to have a hard time with that one tonight, I can tell. Um, so let's talk about this for a second. How come, right? Why? Why not just give everyone all the blessings all the time? Um, and is it considered playing favorites to give more blessings to those who listen to him? Um, I have heard this before. I've heard this question like, well, if God loves everybody, why doesn't he just bless everybody the same? Well, because that's not how it works (laughs) for starters. And I want to say this in my view as a parent, um, I would love nothing more than to be able to give all of my children all of the same thing all the time, except my children aren't all the same. They wouldn't value it all the same and they don't necessarily deserve it all the same, right? I love them all the same, um, but I don't treat them all the same. And here's why my eldest is six years old and she is currently going through a stage where she lies sometimes and it's kind of not my favorite thing. Um, and so one of the things that we do is we have different, um, consequences for when she lies. Right. Um, and one of my things has always been for me, it's more important that my children tell me the truth than it is that they get punished for whatever thing they did wrong. And so for example, if one of my kids hit the other one and I said, did, you know, I asked, did you hit uh, Julia? Did you hit Jane? Like, okay, well, I'm disappointed in you. Um, you need to figure out how to make this better and that'll be the end of it. You know, she'll probably apologize and that'll be the end of it. Now, if I see or hear Julia hit Ginny and I come upstairs and I say, Julia, did you hit Ginny? And she lies to me and she says, no, well, then there's timeout. Then there's, you know, um, she loses something, right? There's bigger consequences in her eyes for lying. And that's what we want to instill in her. Anyway, my point is, is we're treated based on our actions because that's how we learn. That's how we learn. We learn through consequences. Our brains are programmed to learn through consequences. And Heavenly Father knows this um, since he was the one who created our brains. And I see it with my children that if I treat all of my children the same all of the time, um, then it's beneficial 
to some children to be treated in one specific way, but then it's actually, uh, oh, what's the word that I want? It has negative effects for the other children because they don't learn the same way, right? Um, and that they're all different ages, right? I can't hold my two-year-old to the same standard that I hold my six-year-old because he's two years old. There's certain things I just don't expect of him yet because he's two. He's just two years old. There's not a lot I can, not that there's not things I can't ask him to do, but I just don't hold him to the same standard that I hold the girls because the girls are older. And I don't hold Ginny to the same standard that I hold Julia because Ginny is four and Julia is six. So there's some things I expect Julia to be able to do because I know she should be able to do them. Whereas I don't necessarily expect Ginny to be able to do them yet because I know that she hasn't learned that yet. It's not, it's not under her, um, under her belt. So I think that's something to consider is, we're all in different periods of learning. And I think this is why we're told repeatedly, and this is something I personally struggle with a lot, is, you know, we've all heard com uh, comparison is the thief of joy, right? And, um, and I think sometimes we start comparing blessings, not understanding that um, some of it is given to us based on our learning capabilities as to where we are in our journey. Um, and some of it is based on our obedience. Um, and there's a lot of our obedience as church members that happens behind closed doors, right? Nobody sees our daily prayers. Nobody sees, you know, we, we see whether or not people come to church on Sunday. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, we don't necessarily see whether or not they're doing their daily scripture studying, whether or not we're saying our daily prayers, whether or not we are um, speaking kindly with our family or, you know, all the different things that, that we're asked to do, all the different commandments. Um, you know, most of us are at least getting the thou shalt not kill down pretty good. So, you know, congratulations to all of us for that. So <laughs> there's actually one more scripture I wanted to reach before we jump into the second thing section 54 verse 10. I'm actually just going to read it. I can find it. I wrote it down here. Here it is. It says, and again, be patient in tribulation until I come and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And they who have sought me early shall find the rest to their souls. Even so. Amen. Um, I think it's something to really take into consideration that heavenly father in Christ know that life down here is hard, especially Christ, um, because he did it right. He, he was down here. He did it on this earth that we're all walking on right now. He did it. Um, and he knows how hard life can be down here. Um, and he knows how impatient we can be in our struggles. And so I think for me, these are huge words of comfort, um, that he is aware of the tribulations that we're going through. He's aware of the hard things and he is just asking us to be patient and to trust him. Um, that has been kind of my theme today, actually. Um, that's been kind of my theme today is really focusing on Christ and focusing on allowing him to help me through my struggles, um, which actually takes us into the next bit, which I really want to talk about the atonement. Um, in the Come Follow Me, it suggests reading um, the talk Stewardship, a Sacred Trust from the October 2009 General Conference. It's by Quentin L. Cook. Um, and 
I'm going to, well, first I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little story that he tells. He tells a story about this ranch um, that his grandpa, like, created, right? He built this ranch up from his, with his hands. Um, and his, his Quintanelle Cook's parent, I forget which parent it was, um, grew up on this ranch. And um, how one of the things that they did not have was running water. They had this little spring um, right next to, to the farm where they would go and collect the water. And this is where they got their water. And so they guarded it. They kept it safe. They didn't let the cows in it. They didn't let animals get into it. Um, they didn't let it get gross. They kept it clean. They kept it safe. They kept it pure, right? And, um, and he talks about taking his taking his, um, grandpa who's 90 years old up to, to the old farm, um, to see it. And he hadn't been up there obviously because of his age and the, uh, spring had kind of fallen into disrepair. There was no longer any fencing around it. The cows had gotten into it. It was gross. It was, um, disgusting and, and it was no longer pure. It was no longer drinkable water. And, um, and it says, um, let's see, did I write that part down? I may or may not have written that part down. Um, so basically because, um, because of his grandfather's, oh, yep, here we go. So let's see here. So he says, just as the pure spring was polluted when not protected, we live in a time when virtue and chastity are not safeguarded. The eternal significance of personal mortality is not respected. A loving father in heaven has provided us with the means to bring his spirit children into this world to fulfill the measure of their creation. He has instructed us that the wellsprings of life are to be kept pure, just as the beautiful spring on the ranch required protection in order to sustain life. This is one of the reasons why virtue and chastity are so important in our Father in Heaven's plan. Because of my grandfather's reaction to the polluted spring, improvements and protections were undertaken, which returned it the spring to its original beauty and purity. And one of the things that I remember thinking when I was reading this is how this spring is such a perfect example of our humanness, right? where we can have something that we recognize is pure and sacred. And um, even if you like taking it out of, because he's specifically talking about it in relationship to chastity and virtue, which I think is so, so important, like so important. <laughs> I can't even stress that enough. Um, but I want to take it a little bit broader and just use this to talk about us specifically in terms of any sin at all, any sin at all. Um, and so we come to this earth and we are per pure and perfect and unpolluted and, and, you know, we're these tiny, perfect little babies. Um, and our parents do everything they can, um, provided that our parents are doing their jobs to protect us, to keep us safe, to keep us pure. Um, and then eventually we have to start making our own choices, making our own decisions. And I would say 100% of the time, <laughs> um, we make terrible decisions because we're human beings and we don't know how to make good decisions, um, right off the bat. We just don't, um, we have to make lots of bad decisions in order to learn how to make good decisions. Cause that's how the learning process works. 
And so we, due to our own choices and our own decisions, um, mess up the spring. We mess up the the water. It's no longer drinkable. It's no longer pure because of the choices that we make. And so I remember thinking it's incredible that they were able to, because I didn't know this. I, I never grew up on a farm or anything. I never had to drink out of um, spring, a little spring water or anything like that. Um, and so I didn't know that once it was messed up, that you could actually take steps to to get it back to its purity. I didn't know that that was possible. So I thought that was really cool. So he says, we are aware that there are those who have already engaged in conduct inconsistent with the sacred standard of mortality. Um, please understand that through the Savior's atonement, all can repent and return. Like the spring of water to a clean and pure state, it is difficult to repent, but it requires a broken heart and a contrite spirit. But when the steps to repentance are righteously followed, the words spoken by the prophet Alma to his son Coriantin, who had been involved in moral transgressions, are applicable. And now, my son, I desire that ye should let these things trouble you no more. And only let your sins trouble you with the, um, let your sins trouble you with that trouble, which shall bring you down unto repentance. So this, um, he says, the savior has said, behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven. And I, the Lord, remember them no more. Um, and I think that this is just an incredible thing. I wanted to talk about this kind of a lot. Um, and I only have like six minutes left. The atonement is such an incredible gift. And I think sometimes we're not really sure how to use it. Um, we're not really sure how we're, we're told over and over again that the atonement's so amazing. The atonement's so cool. Um, that it's this incredible gift. People get really emotional talking about it on, you know, over the pulpit. And I think sometimes it fails to translate as to how to actually utilize the atonement. And for me, learning to use the atonement has been like a game changer. And I feel like the way that I've learned how to do it is a lot of prayer, right? A lot of talking to my heavenly father, not just daily, but hourly, minutely, is that even a word? Like consistently, almost nonstop talking to, to my heavenly father. Um, and really just bearing my soul to him um, and getting into the scriptures and studying the Savior and studying his life and studying his feelings and recognizing myself in him, if that makes sense. Um, being able to see how he struggled through different things. He went through different pains. He went through different heartaches and being able to in, in his, in his struggles brings him closer to me because then I know that he sees my struggles and he sees my heartache. Um, and I think also, um, I remember somebody saying that, um, she meditates before she prays because it gets her head in a clear space so that she can 
also, she's like, it's not just a one-sided conversation where she's bearing her soul to Heavenly Father, but by taking those few moments to really be quiet and to ponder and to get her heart and mind aligned um, and open allows her to be able to receive um, information as well. So it can be a full-on conversation where she's speaking and Heavenly Father is speaking to her um, with a back and forth. And I think that the more that I learn about the savior, the more I'm able to ask him what to do, but also to be like, I, I can't carry this alone. Like I've literally said this in my prayers where I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to carry this. Please help me. Can you carry this? Can you carry a, a portion of this? And I feel like he does. And I feel like there's, there's always a weight lifted off of me. Um, there's always, light. There's always peace. Even it doesn't necessarily take away the struggle. It doesn't necessarily just wave a magic wand and fix everything that I'm going through. Um, but it does give me peace that I'm moving in the right direction. I am doing the things that Heavenly Father is asking me to do. Um, and that I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. And the struggles that I'm going through are a refiner's fire. They're things that I need to go through that are necessary in order to teach me the things that I need to know in order to strengthen me in the ways that I need to be strengthened so that I can handle what's going to come next. Um, and I really just wanted to talk about that today and about um, utilizing the atonement. I think that the more that we study Christ, the more that using the atonement is going to become intuitive to us. Um, like I said, for me, it's a lot of praying, a lot of journaling, a lot of um, maintaining a consistent conversation with my heavenly father and a lot of studying my scriptures, um, especially looking up specific things. If there's something that you're struggling with in the topical guide, looking up repentance, reading all of the different scriptures on repentance. And, um, it really changes the way that you see it. And I think that repentance is an incredible gift that through it, we're able to utilize the atonement even more so. Um, and I just wanted to add that, the atonement, I think a lot of times is synonymous with, with repentance. And I think for a long time, I felt that the atonement was just there for if you messed up. Um, but it's not, it's for any hurt, any pain, any sorrow, any heartache that you go through. So even things that are not things that you've done wrong are not things that you've, um, that you have made choices that, you know, um, were wrong. And now you're suffering the consequences for those choices, but just any heartache, any pain, any uncomfortableness um, that you're struggling with, the atonement is there for that. And I used it. I found a lot during my last pregnancy. Um, I felt the Savior was very close with me because I was in a lot of pain, um, physically, physically a lot of pain. Um, and I just remember feeling so many times kind of heavenly father in Christ, just like patting me on the shoulder, being like, this is okay. This is the last time you have to do this. This is, this is the last one. Um, you've got this, I'm, I'm here for you. I feel you, you know, and I think that that was an incredible gift for me. Um, and I just wanted to leave you with those thoughts. Um, and I'm going to talk to you next week.